Hello, everyone, and welcome to this rerun of the All New 52 podcast. This isn't a new episode. We fooled you. We're just doing Ultimate Spider-Man again. It is a new episode. No, no, it no, is, it's a rerun. It is new comics we have not talked about. It's a rerun. About. I'm just going to insert and copy and paste a previous episode because everything will apply. You could probably do that with the art <laughs> section. Uh, we talk about comics on this podcast because we like comics. I am Joe. This is Caleb. I got my intro out of order because I changed it up. We're talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. Heck yeah. Uh, we're back. Fourth episode. Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley. It's great knowing having that consistency because I don't have to stare at the cover while I'm reading those names. Yeah, I know I'm getting quality. Um, that's yeah, that's very true. Um, this is the continuation of uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man line, which we have covered the first three volumes of um, dating back to like episode two was the first it was episode two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this focuses on Peter Parker um dealing with some different uh stuff that's come up some mutant stuff some uh returning of some old uh old villains bosso and some uh new incarnations of classic 616 characters yeah just all melding into a nice story i was going to say conjoined story it's not very conjoined but it is it is one story there are through lines throughout yes though. that's true uh specifically spider-man really doesn't want you to mess up his costume <laughs> And and also, man, he's just down on his luck more so than ever right now. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, really since the Venomark, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was that was a bad time for him, and it just kind of keeps getting worse. So the plots that this one goes through, Peter is alone. He is broken up with Mary Jane. He doesn't have a costume anymore. All he has is a mask and a sweater. That's all he's got to be a crime fighter. He goes to this party with Gwen where everybody's favorite X-Men character shows up. Geldorf. Geldorf. He doesn't have an R in his name. <laughs> be great if it. I kept reading it as Geldorf. But for all I know, Geldorf could be an X-Men character <laughs> that I've just never come across. That's possible. Um, he, he, he's a zappy man. He, he blows up cars. Yeah, mainly cars. He, he says he can blow up people, but no, he we only he's ever tried. Yeah, he he's only ever he tried on cars. <laughs> I think he blows up a box at one point. And Peter has to talk him down and be like, listen, young man, you have great power and something comes with that. I don't know, really know what, but. And uh, that uh, before he can really teach that lesson, the plot's derailed by the X-Men coming in. <laughs> they come in. They, uh, they're like, our, our leader. Charles Xavier has a plan for this young man, Geldof. And they take him off to the expansion and the X-Jet. Or it's not called the X-Jet, is it? Well, usually they fly around in the Blackbird, but yes, this, is not, this is not the Blackbird. Okay. So they so just call it a plane. So they're going to the mansion and um, Geldorf, Geldof blows it up accidentally because he's freaked out. The plane, not the mansion. <laughs> yes, the plane. And so there's a quick little... Uh, got to stop everyone from dying thing they get to the mansion where all the x-men are and peter does not have his mask on mm-hmm. and he adds a little bit of a freak out but he has a bit of a bigger freak out when he realizes charles xavier doesn't like ethics <laughs> that's the best line in this comic it, is that ethical no <laughs> it's the most honest to charles ever like if you want to understand charles xavier that panel does it pretty well <laughs> And they're like, you can't experiment on this guy because Cerebro is recognizing him as neither man nor mutant. So, um, and there's a long, long talk about the placenta in between all that. Yeah, it's very, uh, (laughs) very science heavy. (laughs) Yeah. And so they uh, got off like, no, 
he'll be okay, Pete, after. And he's like, okay. I mean, he's also drugged up on good thoughts from <laughs> Cerebro thoughts, X, yeah. But And so Peter leaves, gets back home, and uh-oh, Aunt May's waiting there for him. Because, because he went off to uh, Westchester and didn't tell anyone. And got back in the middle of the night after their school got evacuated because Geldof was blowing off car- uh, cars. Then that leads into a really good issue where it is Aunt May talking to her therapist mm-hmm. um, and eventually is like, I've been pushing Peter away and I've kind of been forcing Gwen to be my friend. Um, so, you know, I'm going to talk to Peter more. And it's a really good issue. Yeah, it ends with it's like, want to have a date night with your little aunt? And he's like, yeah, I would. Yeah, it's, it's really, really sweet. And then what I really like about Bendis is they start talking to each mm-hmm. other. It's not a one off thing. Um, but then that leads into kind of a dual arc of Peter getting fired from the Daily Planet because he kind of calls Bugle. Daily Bugle because he calls uh, J. Jonah out on some stuff about uh, J. Jonah biases he talks he talks jonah into a corner about his bias and jonah's like i don't like that you're fired and then um at the same time kingpin is back in new york uh after he was he had to go overseas for a bit to avoid jail time and he is getting back into his kingpin stuff and spider-man's like i don't like that you're out you killed a man on videotape (laughs) i'm gonna stop you Mm -hmm. and a little little mini arc about that and doesn't really get resolved. Um, it's more it's more of a personal thing where uh, Jonah learns. Maybe I should stop being so biased a little bit. Maybe I'm un- being unfairly biased against this character. Yeah, well, I like is he doesn't change his opinion on Spider-Man, but he does realize he has been irrational. Yeah. It's a really, really uh, showing moment for Jonah. You find out that his son, the astronaut, is not alive in this universe. Something mm-hmm. went wrong during his flight. And so... A year, Jameson has been a much more hardened man because of it. Yeah. Um, and then Black Cat gets introduced. And Electra. Yeah, she steals something from an associate of the Kingpin. Um, Spider-Man kind of gets caught up in this. And then when Spider-Man is meeting up with Black Cat to kind of figure out what's going on, um, uh, Electra attacks them. And we find out that, you know, Black Cat's backstory where her dad was a robber working for Kingpin and she's mad at him. Um, but the teenage side of the story at this point is that when knock wins, um, Mary Jane's dad is uh, trying to break Peter and Mary Jane up um, and just kind of continuing to be the abusive uh, person. He is got to keep that drama in the Peter Mary yeah. Jane relationship. Very real drama too. <laughs> if, it, if it ain't a rocky relationship, it's, it's not a good one. Yeah. So that's a lot. Um, yeah. There's, a lot that goes on in this one. I'd say this is probably the most complex the book has gotten interpersonally yeah, like you, and with. But plot. like you said, there's like a through line mm-hmm. that they managed to, while the superheroing side of things doesn't necessarily always connect, uh, the the people part of it there yeah. is it's always something going but on. But they do a pretty good job in the second two plots about that because a lot of Peter's frustration with Jonah is based off of the his frustration with having to fight Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of Not the fact that it's like, I fought this guy, I won. Why is it happening again? Yeah. <laughs> like we had definitive evidence. And then his relationship with Black Cat is making him feel real guilty about his relationship with Mary Jane, mm-hmm. which is already has some struggle. So. And then Electra is just there. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a cameo. A <laughs> <laughs> lot, lot goes on in this one. Um, but you know what? Is, there isn't a lot of, there is a lot of this, but we don't probably don't have a lot to say about it. The art. <laughs> we talked about 
a lot before. Mark Fagley. <laughs> Luckily, we had good a, artist. <laughs> we had a good amount to say about the plot, so we can we can, you know, Keep jump this through way. this. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear my thoughts on Bagley, we've done about a billion other episodes <laughs> on his art. Guess what? It's still good, and it's cool to see him work with the X Men. Guess. I, um, I was going to say, yeah, he's uh, getting better at showing emotion on people's faces. I feel like he's, yeah. they're getting a little more motive from just this, like worried that they always look that they normally look whenever they have to show any form of emotion. Yeah. You, you see, there's a whole, uh, hilarious segment where, uh, Jean Grey is talking to Spider-Man and she's talking in her, her head, oh, yeah, of course, that part. and, uh, they're like, whoa, you can do that. He's like, yeah, you're the first guy in six months that hasn't immediately pictured me naked until now. And it's just panels of like still doing it and her face is like doing just different it's like are you done yet <laughs> he does he does that thing we didn't like in invincible where it's repeated panels but they're changing this yes, time is the here, difference here he does it well because they aren't just the same panel he's redrawing stuff it's he's not copying and pasting there's a really good part near the end of this where it's peter talking about his relationship and it's just like six panels of peter's face but from different angles like it's slowly like a camera zooming around it just a really good way it's the same expression, but just viewing it from a different yeah, it's angle. Very dynamic. Yeah. Bagley, man. That man's pencil. He knows. He's just he he's removed his hand and it's just a pencil that he's yeah. gonna have to do. It's all it's all he uses now. That's why he's so skilled with it. Uh, I don't like I feel like that would make drawing harder. <laughs> I don't like the X-Men's designs, but those are not his fault. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. I I was gonna say I like their camaraderie, but that's not that's not his doing. <laughs> so yeah. he does the ultimate costumes better than the Kirby brothers did I take your hot take it's just they look so dated I'm sorry I wasn't gonna go into this but you look at what he does you look at the X-Men you look at the rest of the ultimate line and you have Spider-Man in this like it's a different costume it's recognizably ultimate but still like iconic it's still timeless you look at even what he does with Elektra here um where you can tell what what era of comics it came from but it doesn't feel dated Mm -hmm. but Every single one of the X-Men costumes <laughs> looks severely dated. And rant. Not Bagley's fault. Not Bagley's fault. He didn't design these. <laughs> he drew them well. He drew these awful designs yes. well. Yeah, we did it. We made it through the art. Bye-bye, Bagley. Till next time when we'll say <laughs> we'll the same you. thing. We'll see you in eight episodes, Bagley. <laughs> closer and closer we get to you being gone. Just needs to have a cameo so we can get him on. Let's have him on the episode where he doesn't do the art. <laughs> hey, what'd you think of these guys? Just find two terrible artists for him to dig into, but also artists that still work at Marvel. So he has to have like some professional form with him. This is a good, this is a good pitch to get him on. We love you, Bagley. Bagman. You've served us well. So the positives, I, I think every, we've had a few complaints about, um, certain characters not having any development and those keep getting washed away aunt may you you get a lot lot about aunt may you get an entire issue just built into what she thinks how she feels she feels guilty for going to therapy because oh no her sister dying didn't do anything her husband dying didn't do anything but this random police captain that she had a crush on yeah. did something yeah that's that's a great issue maybe the best in this lot mm-hmm. um and not only what i like is that Gwen doesn't get as much to do here, but that feels fine because we've gotten so much with Gwen. It's like, let's pull back on her. Let's emphasize Aunt May. This is all very natural. We're not underserving any character. We're just shifting the focus. Gwen's still in here plenty. 
And you 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 see that she's oh she's a smart girl she knows something's up yeah yeah because most of them she's like where's Peter no he wasn't here what are you talking about so that that's that's Gwen's role this this yeah. uh, volume uh J I love J Jonah but it's that thing again a little less Ben Yurik a little more J Jonah even Ben's fun in this oh yeah like I love Ben Yurik he's maybe my favorite of the supporting characters from like the adult side of things but I love J Jonah in this he is so I I love the character who. Is has his own convictions mm-hmm. and is very um, stands very firm in those, but also is like an antagonistic uh, like fixture in Spider Man's world. Yeah, and I love that he's like you have that thing where maybe he doesn't have the heart of gold that he does in other interpretations, but he can recognize when he's wrong. Yeah, like he's, he he will like state that he was wrong in this situation. Yeah, that's a great scene when that happens. I also like that he's good at his job. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he actually is a good reporter yeah I feel like it would be very easy with a character like this to just make them oh they got their position somehow and the bumbling idiot yeah, yeah yeah make them like the Michael Scott yeah but no he's good at his job mm-hmm. I, I love uh, Ben's little when they're in the office he's like yeah I had a double recorder just like you taught me and you're recording this now no why would I be <laughs> no. like he's kind of insane and like conspiracy theorist but extremely likable at the same time Ben Yurk is like the better version of of uh jay jonah yeah because he actually is not a bad person but mm-hmm. he has all the skill that jay jonah has i like the uh i like kingpin coming back doc ock is usually who i say like my favorite spider-man villain is but i think reading this if we're just talking ultimate it's kingpin kingpin's great i i, I don't even know if it's so much kingpin as much as like the story and like just his and Spider-Man's relationship. Oh yeah. I think it's the situation around it. It's where so it's, antagonistic <laughs> where it's like, of course he would be so annoyed that not only is his plans being foiled, but they're being foiled by a child. Yeah. <laughs> just young man. Did you web my shoes to the ground? <laughs> you can just feel the rage. And that's what I love about this too, is that because he doesn't get beat at the end of this story arc, it's like, cool. He's a fixture. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep coming back to him. Um, I really like the idea of him just staying in the background. It makes sense for him to be there instead of a villain like Norman or Doc Ock, who you expect to see that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kingpin, he, he's a joy. And you were thinking, oh, this is a little soon to be coming back to him, isn't it? But no, they do completely new things with him. Like mm-hmm. the, it's not so much he is back. Yes. But the plot isn't around what's Spider-Man to do about it. It's Spider-Man just, and Peter just being so angry at the judicial system. <laughs> I love, what I love about this is like, there's no fighting up until the elect until Electra comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Peter even has a conversation where he talks about, it's like, I don't enjoy fighting. Like that is not the part of crime fighting. I like, wasn't and, there a mandate at some point? And it might, it might be in a lot of the TV shows where Spider-Man can't throw punches. He can just deflect. That makes a lot of sense there. I, that might've been like a TV show thing, but it might've been a comics mandate at one point where, it was like he would never and it might even be like an actual thing where they have him in the like he's like, oh, I try not to throw punches mm-hmm. like and stuff. But what I like about that, and I've talked about this on our previous Spider-Man things, is like the fights are fine, but I want to see my superheroes saving people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is Peter's focus. And I feel like me and Peter are on the same page there. He doesn't want to fight. He will. Mm-hmm. He's good at it. Unless yeah, he he's, kinda knows unless what he's, he's fighting Electra yeah. <laughs> like a trained <laughs> killer. A trained assassin. <laughs> but like he that's never his ultimate goal. <laughs> ultimate Let's see i see what you did there um yeah and then black cat's introduction it's it's a little weird and it's a little rushed it's a it's a little rushed but uh you 
you get a good sense of who Black Cat is. I love her and Peter's interaction on the um, on the rooftop with like her little picnic that she brings, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Yeah, I got wine up here. Do you know how hard that is?" She just she wants a friend who's yeah. good at this. <laughs> she just doesn't realize he's a teenager yet. Nope, not yet. Um, the Mary Jane stuff's really good. Yeah, I like, Mary Jane gets a lot of good characterization in this. They when they made up um, after they broke up, and they're like. Okay, I'm gonna pay more attention to you. I'm gonna actually start like trying. Drop more. The I love you. Yeah, but like a lot like how the Aunt May stuff continues through. Peter does become a better boyfriend. He does ask her more about her life, and that's reflected. He through tells the story. her he, he actually does want to spend more time with her. Yeah. He doesn't like being distracted with the Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, like I feel like there's character growth here. Mm-hmm. No, all in all, any any complaints we have, they they just rectify because. There was a clear plan when they were writing this. They knew what they were like. It it seems like Bendis knew. Okay, I have these beats that I'm gonna do, and then you know we're gonna step back from this this person who's gotten a lot of attention, but forth this person who's maybe mm-hmm. getting lacking a little bit, and it's just really nice. I will say after the Venom arc and then the X Men arc, I feel like those are very filler. Mm-hmm. So it's nice once Kingpin comes in. I'm like, okay, we're really picking up on where you left off with the Imposter Spider Man. I feel like we're like. There's kind of a hiccup there. It's kind of a downslope, but we're getting back Let's to it. Let's get this cross promotion in. Read Ultimate X-Men, please. Yeah. Here, here's the character you keep asking for. Um, another positive I have, Bendis writes the X-Men really well, I feel like. Like there's a real sense of like teammate going like isms going on between the the three girls that show up and then just between the whole school and then when they're in there. It's it's nice. Lots of good banter, lots of good dialogue. Um some People get more focused than others, obviously kind of setting up Kitty Pride here, who will come to matter a little bit more on. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious how they decided which X-Men they would pick. Oh, Storm makes a lot of sense, but I'm wondering if he picked Kitty for this crossover because he knew that... Because he had a crush on Kitty. Yeah, I wonder if that... or And here, Kitty has a crush on Spider-Man. No, I, I, mean, if, I, know, I mean, because Bendis had a crush on Kitty. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. A lot <laughs> of people did. Um, I mean, she's my fifth favorite superhero. It's not like a crush thing. I just yeah. think she's cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. I like the uh, Charles uh, when he's talking to Peter and Peter's like, I'm going to escape. And it flashes back. And that's just what Peter is thinking. Uh, Xavier goes, is that really what you thought would work? He's like, I mean, I just thought about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fun stuff. I. Yeah. He writes the X-Men well. I don't like that part of the book that much. But, mm-hmm. yeah. It does feel very fillery yeah. with the amount of like nothing coming from it. Besides the Aunt May, like there's an understanding between Peter and Aunt May now. Should that be our transition into negatives? Yeah, sure. What do you got? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna dig a little bit more into this X-Men stuff. Ultimately, what I don't like about it is that one I see what you did there. Uh Geldof is lame. He's not yeah, interesting. He, is. he has a lot going on because he's a mutant and he's from Latveria, but ultimately I'm like, I really... No, he's not a mutant. He's a placenta mutant, whatever that means. Yeah, he's he's a created mutant, but like who cares? Because ultimately this won't have any bearing on Spider-Man. And like maybe it was picked up, picked up in X-Men, but it starts to set stuff up for Spider-Man. I really like the idea of him having to teach someone about responsibility. Yeah, no, it's a great starting point. But then it's just shoved off into, you know, the corporate X-Men mandated crossover. Yeah. And all the X-Men are fun. They're all acting within character, but there just isn't, there isn't really a drive there. There's not much that happens. There's, there's an action scene that seems kind of forced. I think it's a good setup to just get the, get them introduced into the world. Yeah, I guess it it works. And I like the idea of Spider-Man being friends with the X-Men. Yeah. But there are a couple 
things where it just kind of falls flat. I think that there's no real fallout from Spider-Man or Peter kind of realizing that Charles is a bad person. Um, he like has one throwaway be. line, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, I you never really get Peter's idea of how he feels about mutants, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's yeah, it's cool that he likes mutants and that he's not mutant phobic. But also in the school he's coming up in, it would make sense if maybe he had a little bit of those biases and stuff, and we got to see him work through that. And then ultimately, just Gelof's going to disappear, and like half of these X Men aren't going to come back. Well, like maybe they will, I don't know. But it's just like, okay, let's move on. It yeah. just, and it's disappointing. It's, it's very filler. Yeah. And, and like when Electra shows up, it's like, fine, Electra is doing one thing that Electra is good at, but it's not trying to make a thing. Yeah, which is what I get into. Man, you introduce Electra, and then you do absolutely nothing with her. <laughs> like she does, she does the assassination attempt, but she gets nothing outside of that. It's just hired assassin. That is it. See, I prefer that because, and part of that is maybe because I'm not an Electra fan, where well, I'm I am not either, an X Men fan. Means. But I feel like it's just that is that is fully using her potential. I don't think it fully uses the X Men's potential. That's fair. Also, the placenta. The placenta <laughs> thing, entire, like three mixing pages. in real science with other science and so much. with fake science. Our boy Bendis writes a little too much sometimes. Okay, and that's here's another thing. This is where the Bendisisms are starting to creep oh, in a yeah. lot. There's just the panels. gutter full of text. I was gonna, I wasn't gonna bring up the gutter quite yet because there is just like a quarter of a page that's Peter thinking to himself, and it's just a book after like a bunch of thought balloons in the other page. and and then he's really leaning into his thing of people finishing each other's sentences and just like them running into each other. Peter and Mary Jane start doing that a lot. And it works up until a certain point until like you look at the page and there's just more text balloon than page on yeah. the, or, or than art on the page. And sometimes I really like that. There's super heavy dialogue scenes like the scene where uh, Jonah's rehiring uh, Peter. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like one good scene gets lost. If every scene has yeah. so much dialogue. And that has since become a very notable thing of Bendis. Yeah, yeah. Where he, he I'm a writer, guys. <laughs> he does let he does let Bagley have a lot of fun in that black hat issue. Like, oh yeah, it's it. No, there's absolutely no dialogue on certain pages yeah, or yeah. thoughts at all. Yeah, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of cool images and stuff, but which works. But that gutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He makes up for it. <laughs> he finds places for where all those words should have been. <laughs> I really don't have much complaints in the back half of this. I mean, the same things that we've been complaining about this whole time, I guess, is that some of the stuff, like some of the dialogue is just very of the time mm-hmm. and doesn't really hold up to today's uh, standard of things. Um, but I'll take that over them referencing, like, I'm going to go watch Seinfeld on TV or something like that. I'll take dated language over dated references trying to like appear more modern. I feel like it's more distracting for me if it's dated language, but you know, I mean, I mean the ultimate kind of thing was trying to be a modern interpretation. So yeah, like yeah. I, I get it there. Um, and then there are just some moments where it's like, Oh, you're really leaning into the cheesecake here. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of like Mary Jane's whole outfit at the party and just a lot of Mary Jane. Like uh, they're 15. <laughs> 15, 16. Well, and even just says like the problem with her at the party is that it's distracting. It's not like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't even think really like throws of puberty. Caleb would found that (laughs) attractive. (laughs) Like, I don't know, but yeah. Black hat and Electra, just their entire design. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think that works with that works for Black Cat for sure because they've always been kind of more sexualized characters, and like you can argue whether that's good or a bad thing. And well, what general, cheesecake thing was throwing you off then? Oh, it was mainly that Mary Jane stuff. And oh, okay, then, okay. Then some of the stuff with the X Men because, yeah. like I said, there I understand. I may not love the deep V that Black Cat has, mm-hmm. but I understand that that is a part of the character that would be carried over. Kitty Pride has had some sexualization mm-hmm. in the past, but for the most part, she has not been a super sexualized character. And is also a child. Yes, and acts like a child too. Same with Jean Grey. Like, these are characters who have been sexualized in the past, but to see them so sexualized here, it is just a little weird. It's just, it throw, it's, it's distracting. I'm not trying to be a prude about this. We're I sex li- fearing Americans is what. <laughs> I like cheesecake. <laughs> Alan Davis draws a lot of cheesecake and I love it. But, um, you know, I, it's just distracting and with so, certain characters, certain mm-hmm. contexts. I get it. Yeah. I don't have any complaints either. Aside from the ones I voiced, like I like this comic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very good. It's really good. <laughs> there, I mean, I want, I, I keep coming back to it because I, I've read it already, but I want to read it. And I also just want Caleb to read it. And this is a fun way to get him to do it. And it's fun talking about it after yeah. the fact too. Yeah. It's a good comic. You should read it. If our, if this fourth episode has not given you, enough reasons to start it i don't know what will yeah i mean and i'm like i'm gonna do more i'm gonna bring more oh yeah you've you've already told me that you won't go through the entire run up i'm excited to keep going i'm afraid eventually the bendis the bendisisms will take over and you know maybe the plot will wear a little thin but for now we're in the height of the book i think so what do you have for me let me go get oh you're looking very pregnant can you recite the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Kingdom come. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. That was good. Thank you. Uh, I, I know the name of this book. Is, yeah. Is this, this is the one where he Batman has the robot suit, right? Is that the one I'm thinking of? I thought that was, isn't that where he fights Superman and Batman Returns? No, he doesn't. Dark Knight Returns, no. Okay, I don't know. I've heard of Kingdom Come. Um, yeah, Kingdom Come uh, is a very influential comic that I think influences a lot of alternate universe takes on the DC universe, influences a lot of like, tro- like things like Invincible that are playing with the DC universe. Yeah. But I think most importantly, influences a comic we really like called Injustice. And so I thought it would be cool for us to get some context for that um, and read uh, what's a really good comic. Cool. Or so I've heard. I've never read it. So Yeah, I'm like, this looks very new. Oh, yes. it's. I just bought it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, if you've enjoyed what we've had to say about Ultimate Spider-Man, if you want to hear our other thoughts on other volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man, we've got a good backlog of those issues, and you can rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Tell us what you like about Ultimate Spider-Man or how you don't like it, but I don't care. I'm still going to do episodes on it. I'm sure I will eventually not like it. Like a a, a comic with that much of a run has to get bad eventually. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> There's nothing. I cannot stay optimistic about this. So keep watching to find when I break. Yeah. And you can email us at allnew52podcast at gmail.com with your feedback and your suggestions. We will also be taking it there. We'll be back in two weeks with Kingdom Come. See ya.